Welcome back to 7 Seconds or More. This is episode 32. Welcome to the new year, everybody. 2023, episode 32. 32, Magic Johnson. Probably the best player to ever wear number 32. That seems like an easy one. Yeah, it's... (laughs) Yeah, honorable mentions are Carl uh, Malone. <laughs> uh, dishonorable mention. Dishonorable. Bill Walton. Okay, okay. Kevin McHale. Nope. Uh, Shaq, but Shaq wore like 10 numbers in his career, so he doesn't really count. I can't think of anyone who wears 32 right now. Not like a popular number. Looking it up. <laughs> yeah, luckily there are there are ways to figure this out. Jeff Green, uh, Blake Griffin with the Clippers. Maybe not oh the yeah, Celtics. Not, no, he wears, he wears 97 on the Celtics. That makes sense. He saw all the football players wearing whatever number they wanted, and he was like, screw it, let me do the same. He actually said he wears it to honor Dennis Rodman. Yeah, nice. uh, uh, weird. Uh, and there was uh, the Celtics played the Warriors in Golden State, like the Saturday primetime games. Mm-hmm. And they were about to interview Steph Curry after the game, and they they just cut to the camera a little early, and it was him talking to Blake. And you could just hear Steph was like, oh, I I love 97, Blake. That's sick. Rodman. (laughs) Very, very random. The other players are Cat. I guess he's probably the best player. Oh, yeah, Cat. I forgot. I kind of forgot about Cat. We'll we'll get to him later. the, The Dean Wade as well. Ah, Dean Wade. Uh, as uh, Zach Lowe likes to say, he sounds like he, he runs like a law firm, Dean Wade. Yeah, I would trust my life in his hands. I would as well, Dean Wade. Uh, so no full court press today because we have a, a lot to talk about. This whole episode is basically a full court press. So we're calling this one status quo. Uh-huh. That is quote, yeah. I get it. Oh, good, good. Uh, so we are going to catch everyone up on what has happened basically this season because I know a lot of you have been watching the NFL. Well, regular season wrapped up last weekend and college football that ends tonight on ESPN. We're not sponsored. ESPN, please sponsor us. Uh, so yeah, we're going to catch you up on everything that's happened in the first two and a half months of the year. And because we have a lot of East Coast bias here, we'll start out West. Duncan, we'd yeah. like to start us off. Yeah, sure. Well, with a little caveat, uh, this episode is partially towards all of the the fans of cities like Boston, whose team didn't make the playoffs, sad game, and now we're looking to the better Boston team, the Celtics, uh, to bring them some joy in the NBA, hopefully. But back to the West. So the conference is very wide open. Um, The seeds 1 through 13 are separated by 8.5 games, with only a two-game gap between 6 and 13 and and 2.5 between 1 and 3. Why? Why? What is making this, this crazy gap, Peter? Yeah, well, uh, th- there's a ton of injuries. Uh, th- that th- this is our real our second big point here. We'll just jump ahead real quick, just for the point. So, out of those thirteen teams, right? Um, these are the rotation players who have missed eight or more of their team's games. So that's about twenty percent of their team's games. Jamal wow. Murray, Bones Highland, Michael Porter Jr., Jaron Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain, Zion Williamson, Herb Jones, Brandon Ingram, Larry Nance Jr., Dorian Finney-Smith, Maxi Kleba, Paul George, Sean Wall, Kawhi Leonard, Norman Powell, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Andrew Wiggins, wow. Stephen Booker, Chris Paul, Cam Johnson, Kyle Anderson, Carl Anthony Towns, aforementioned, Damian Lillard, Nasir Little, Gary Payton II, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Mike Conley, Colin Sexton, and Poku. <laughs> I like how it was all full names, and then with Poku, you're like, no. Nah. 
Poku. <laughs> That's his yeah, name. I, I didn't feel like like typing the whole, the whole name. Alakesh, or however you say it. Sorry, Poku. I don't know how to say it. But wow, that is that is a lot of players. I'd be interested to see what it's like in the East. Maybe we'll cover that a bit later. But yeah, teams like Denver, like three possible starters bones is coming off the bench a lot but with murray bones in mpj and then two of their like top three players for the grizzlies with jaron jackson and desmond bain and the lakers with their entire team with lebron and anthony davis like that is that is tough for a lot of these teams but they're still in it with all the parody in the west they they still have a chance to get one of those like those last spots play in or even play off um because they're not separated by too many games Hundred percent, and I think this goes back to something we talked about a couple of weeks ago. That in order to win a championship, you need both talent and culture. And as much as certainly Denver, New Orleans, Memphis are extremely talented teams, they have been able to win and sustain without those stars due to the culture. I know uh, we talked last year. I, I shot it down because I thought it was nonsense. But mm-hmm. is Memphis better without John Morant? No, it's because Tyus Jones, one of the most underrated. Uh, players in the league, probably the best backup point guard. And Memphis just has such a culture. New Orleans, yeah. they're so deep. They have such a culture that yeah. uh, Willie Green has cultivated. And Denver as well, maybe the best sporting cast they've ever had around Nikola Jokic. It's just they have what they, uh, the right roster, make up everything to sustain these injuries. And some of the teams farther down, if you're wondering why Golden State is seventh in the West or why Phoenix is eight. It's because either they're not deep enough or they don't have the culture. And I I know we talked about in the preseason, we think Phoenix can win a lot of regular season games, but we're not maybe sold on them winning the title because there's just a lot of weird question marks around that that team. It's part of that culture thing. And if that's not set, it's hard to sustain those injuries. It feels like a lot of franchises in the NBA are building teams and not culture, like the Suns. They're putting pieces together, but it's there's something artificial about it. They're not, you know, it's it's not up and coming young guys. It's oh, let's put these this combination together. Like they're not a two K team. They're not going to just play well on the court together. Uh, you have someone like DeAndre Ayton who was obviously frustrated in last year's playoffs. Um, at the end of Game Seven or Game Six, the last game in their series, he just went to the bench and wouldn't go back in the game. How are you expected to expecting to win games with him on your team? Like with him playing with like Chris Paul and Devin Booker, like it's, it's just tough. And the other thing about culture is it's, it's not an immediate thing, but also maybe it is. I mean, we seen it with the Brooklyn Nets, they seem to have bad culture and all of a sudden a flip switched, they got together and they're on this, like they had that crazy win streak. Is, is the streak still alive as of today? Uh, the Nets, I, I don't think they are. They're 9-1 and one over their last 10, but I don't think yeah. they are street. But they had won 12 in a row, um, maybe even 13. And like now they have such great culture with Utah for whatever reason. Like I don't think he's a reason for it, but he seems to be a spark. And Kyrie coming back and Ben Simmons accepting a role a bit more. And it makes me think of New Orleans as well. Two years ago, even last year when Zion wasn't playing, we were like, what horrible culture... Like Zion's a horrible team player. And, you know, Zion decided I'm committed to this team and culture. Yep, flipped a switch and all of a sudden it was on. So maybe some of these teams that don't necessarily have the culture, like it's not over for them yet. The Warriors, I mean, they have one of the greatest coaches in the league, uh, some of, one of the greatest players in the league. Like I believe in them to 
have that team meeting and flip the switch. But maybe other teams, like maybe the Mavs is not a fair example because they're on a bit of a streak right now and who knows. But what do you think about that in culture? Like can teams like the Mavs or maybe teams like the Timberwolves who have good players, you think there's a possibility where they could flip a switch and become a dominant team with a 10-game winning streak or something like that? The Mavericks are a weird one. They, it, it just if if Luca doesn't push them, it's I, I don't know if they have enough outside of of that roster. Uh, they played Boston the other night. Uh, Luca was he got kind of hurt, got banged up, but outside of Dinwiddie, uh, they really had no other. They they just don't have the firepower to keep up with a team like Boston, or I don't think they would have the firepower to keep up with even Cleveland, Milwaukee, Brooklyn. The, the heavyweights of the East. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they have the momentum. And going back to what you were saying about culture, uh, I think it is very easy for us to say, like, this team has bad culture, that team has bad culture. I was, I certainly uh, was very negative about Zion Williamson. Uh, and it's impossible to, to, for us to tell. And, That's true. And even those who are close to the team and are, you know, the, the beat writers for these teams, that they'll say that, um, I'm, not, I'm not trying to slander anyone in the media right now, um, but it, it's just impossible unless you're in that in that room. That's why we lean so heavily on people like J.J. Redick and C.J. McCollum and Draymond Green and those that are in the league that are willing to share and open up and give us a glimpse into that world. So yeah. I, I think it's super hard for us. I think we can point at the teams that have had success and have documented that for years and years, like Golden State or... I mean, I wouldn't say years and years, but even like Memphis, and we can we can see how they're succeeding. But it's it's super hard to tell on the other on the other end of that. That is fair. That makes me think when you were talking about the Mavs, some like interesting thing I heard on a French podcast. I thought it was a fun way to look at it is that it's a perfectly constructed team. That there's Luca, and then a role player for every role. You've got rebounders, shooters, like things that like teams like the Lakers, they desperately need shooters. You have that on the Mavs. You just don't have a number two. <laughs> so it's Luca or Bust. Even though you have like a decent team around him, it's just there's no number two scoring option. And if he's not on, then the team's not on because, you know, a role player like Spencer Dinwiddie, like you can't expect him to put up 25 points every night. But if he's like the number three or number four, yeah, he can shoot a corner three and make it like 40% of the time or 35% of the time. But I thought that was an interesting take on the Mavs. <laughs> Answer this for me. What type of star do you think they need with Luca? Just like, you can even say like like a, a player, for example, like an archetype. I think they need a scorer. Um <laughs> They need a Jalen Brunson. Uh, oh, God. I was uh, going to say they need like a like a scoring wing, a Paul George, a Jalen Brown type. Yeah. That's, well, those those reports are funny. I, was it the Mavs who were interested in Jalen Brown? I don't know. They released something. It's like, we're interested in Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah, of course, every team would want to have, like, they didn't say him. They said another player. But, um, no, it was a silly thing. Also, they should maybe move Bertans and like a first for just like I don't know who I guess but just someone who puts up points maybe like a James Booknight you know because he doesn't bring anything else to the table he's only a scorer which I would think is why he's not doing very well in the NBA it's because he's not like especially good at rebounding at passing the ball at stealing and in college he was good because he was good at scoring 
when you're in the NBA, you don't just get the ball and be like, hey, you can have like four turnovers a game, just like score 20 points. Like, no, that's not how it works. But maybe they need, maybe that's like one place where his skill could be useful. <laughs> uh, I think when you get towards the top of the West here, and, and as much as I think we, we kind of harp on Dallas, it's because Lucas so good and you expect them to be better than they are. They are fourth in the West. They are four yeah. games out of the top seed, which is tied between Denver and Memphis. But uh, uh, one thing that uh, I wanted to get to right here is that there are so many teams in the hunt, right? Eight and a half mm-hmm. games separated between seeds one and 13. Um, it really sets the stage for a seller's market when this February trade deadline comes up. Because again, in the West alone, 13 out of 15 teams, they can conceivably make it at minimum in the playing tournament. And like their teams like the Jazz and Thunder, we wouldn't have really considered in that conversation come the preseason so whoever is available that's why if there is a team we'll get into later such as toronto who decides to maybe blow it up with some of their veteran uh talents and salaries i think there could be a huge bidding war because with how close everything is and how many teams are are in that hunt and conceivably can get really high in the standings such as it is in the west yeah if pascal siakam or fred van fleet is available they are perfect, seamless fits in almost any culture. Yeah, no, that is true. Well, let's let's go a little bit off topic here and just think about like the teams that aren't pushing for the playoffs. Like maybe they're trying. But, like in the East, I guess maybe you got the Raptors, the Magic, not necessarily in a position to sell. Like maybe they sell a veteran because they're a young team. The Hornets, I mean, they have like a couple players that's that maybe aren't the greatest like culture guys, but that they could sell between like uh, Hayward, Plumlee, and Rozier. The Pistons, I don't know. I wouldn't say they're they're a young team. Maybe not. I don't know. Just Just those teams alone, though. They're uh, Detroit. They they picked up Boyan Bogdanovich in one of the those under the radar moves. I believe we actually we discussed the trade and and I think it was it it was either our football episode or our Bill Russell episode. It got and we were underwhelmed by it. I think that was the the takeaway, right? Yeah, because it was like Kelly Olynyk, Isaiah Livers, and like a protected first. But it seems to be every week there's Bojan Bogdanovich rumors, and and they could get the bag for him. They could certainly get a good good haul, and there's someone like that for Charlotte. There's uh, Kelly Oubre, uh, although he is pretty man the league is hurt at the moment. Uh, Mason Plumley, Gordon Hayward, Orlando. They could trade uh, Gary Harris, Terrence Ross. Um, Mo Bamba if they decide not to they don't really want to re-sign him there's a lot of guys that they could uh, teams could take flyers on and let's say that you are one of these teams let's just say in the west and you're looking for a wing and you don't get uh, Bogdanovich for instance but you still want a three point spacer maybe you, you go out and get Terrence Ross you give up some lightly protected or rather heavily protected first round picks or, or two second round picks yeah um, Maybe you get a Gordon Hayward. Maybe you get a, I don't know, like, please take Gordon Hayward. You can have him, is what I'm trying to say here. But um, Are you yeah, going to drive a, him to the airport? <laughs> yeah, well, maybe, I don't know if, if I'd even take him that far. Maybe I'd drop him off at the train station. You'll, you'll book the Uber, though. Yeah, yeah, you know, class. <laughs> it's, it's certainly going to be a super weird trade deadline because of that. And um, something we'll get in the, into in the East is due to 
a team trading like six first round picks for Rudy Gobert, the 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 pick cabinet for a lot of these teams are pretty barren. They they yeah. may have all the assets because whatever the the price was was set is it's it's super hard to tell. Changes all the time on on what you're gonna have to give up. So one thing I want to wrap up here on the West. Uh, home court advantage is going to be super, super huge come playoff time. I mean, we say it every year. It's not like it's a shocking thing. But at the same time, you see some of these injuries and load management, and you're like, oh, well, it'll be fine. As long as we're a top six seed, we'll be in the mm-hmm. playoffs. Well, everyone will be healthy and rested, and we'll make our push. That being said, no team in the West at the moment has an above 500 record on the road. Wow. And only three teams are at 500. That's Denver, Memphis, and Sacramento. Uh posed that with the East. East has three teams above 500 on the road, Boston, Brooklyn, and the Knicks. Yeah. And then the Bucks sit at 500. And in terms of that translating to more home success, five teams have 10 more home wins than home losses. Just, wow. just let, that, let that sit and try to visualize what that means. So Denver, Memphis, New Orleans, Dallas, and Golden State have 10 more home wins than home losses. Those first four are the top four seeds in the West. Golden State is farther because they are atrocious on the road. So yeah. if you're looking at home court advantage right now, again, that would be Denver, Memphis, New Orleans, Dallas. Some of the best home courts in the league, Denver with that um, elevation is huge. I One I'm looking at, is Sacramento. They're sitting right outside of the top four. They're at five. They're one and a half back of Dallas for that four seed. And I don't know if you saw that viral sort of clip the other day, Luke Kennard hitting this three. And they call it, I think they call it crowd pop. It's when everyone mm-hmm. like screams at once. And so it just, if you're looking at a little audio, audiograph, it just spikes because they all get so loud. And it was one of the loudest ones I've ever heard off a Luke Kennard three. That wow. Sacramento crowd, they are so, the beam team is really strong. They really love their city. And again, like Sacramento, that's like all they've really got in Sacramento. They're very proud of their, their Kangs. And so if they got a top four seed and therefore got a home uh, playoff uh, or home court advantage for the first round of the playoffs, if everything held, I think that'd be huge. And you could potentially see... <laughs> Sacramento Kings win a playoff series. I know, crazy, wow. right? Well, I mean, going to the playoffs, like I'm proud for them. I'm proud of them, and I, I was not a believer. I've got to say, I remember when we were talking about like our rankings in the beginning of the year, and you had them, maybe like in the play-in, maybe not in the playoffs. And Dan and I were like, "Nah, they're they're lower, they're lower." But ever since that beam was there, it's 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 crazy how a symbol can make you believe in something. But kind of in the other sense, the Warriors right behind them, three and sixteen away. Like I, I guess maybe the Warriors is a bad example because Steph, you can't count him out, and I feel like like stats like that don't really matter against him in the playoffs. <laughs> but three and sixteen, like that it's is not bad, helping your case. It's a yeah. bad bad number. They are and one it, of the few teams I think could actually turn it on. As much as I think the just turning it on in the playoffs is overrated, I think Golden State one of the few exceptions to that. Yeah, and I mean, with all the playoff experience they had last year, like just having a similar roster with not too many changes that just went through all of that, like that's that's one less thing. Like the Kings, I mean, how many players on their roster have been to the playoffs before? You know, like I guess more than more than I think. I think Harrison Barnes, obviously, 
Uh, yeah. Sabonis. Uh, uh, Kevin Herter. Yeah. Yeah, but not that top end, not Fox. Yeah. Um, obviously. And not as a team, so, or as a franchise. <laughs> like Certainly not. Do they even know, like, <laughs> they're going to have to, like, pull out drafts of how to, like, sell playoff tickets and stuff like that. Yeah, they're going to have to go through, because, again, I think they have the longest current playoff drought in, yeah, in 16 North America. 17 years? Yeah, it's, it's incredible how long it is. And one, yeah. one last thing I want to say on the Kings. I was preaching, right? I was preaching the play-in for the Kings. Don't sleep on them. <laughs> and and one of my, um, if I were to bet, uh, my best bets were the Kings to make the play-in. And I think the odds were like, I don't know, plus 500. Wow. They're too good <laughs> at the moment. Oh, they would they make the play-in? <laughs> they wouldn't make the play-in because they make the playoffs. Oh my god! Oh my gosh! If if that's you know if that's the bad beat, I, I'll accept that bad beat. I wasn't high enough on a team. Everyone was already calling me crazy for, but that just would blow my mind if that happened. Yeah, that'd be nuts. Uh, yeah. Do you have any? Do you have any last thoughts on? I mean, we're we're kind of going scattered uh, all over the place here. Do you have any last West thoughts before we pivot uh, to more East center? Um, well, I think just the kind of what we talked about. I mean, I already talked about a lot. I won't beat it to death, but it's a streaky. It, it's a it's a conference of streaks. You know, Mavericks went won six in a row, went up like six in the standings. Any team. By the time you listen to this episode, if you listen to it, maybe five days later, all that we could be saying could be wrong because the Nuggets could lose four in a row and all of a sudden be be the 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 five seed instead of the one seed. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's like just such a close conference that it's it's hard with all these generalizations. And we'd think that halfway through the season here, which is crazy, halfway through the season. Mm-hmm. Um, that you'd have more of an idea of where everyone's standing, but with the West, it's not the case. So I think the the teams that can avoid back-to-back losses um, and really work on those win streaks, like uh, the Grizzlies right now, six in a row, um, th- those are the teams to, to look out for. Five in a row won by the Lakers. Was that Anthony Davis? Four yeah, wins in a row. might come by... back this week. Mm, right, I did see that. So who knows? Maybe that messes things up. Probably, I wouldn't <laughs> think so. Four game, uh, four game win streak currently by the Timberwolves about Carlton Towns. Yeah, I mean, I we know. could like we've been just talking, or I mean, I've just I think the Timberwolves are kind of slept on, but yeah, they win like three more games in a row. All of a sudden, they're in the playoffs and not in the play. Like crazy stuff. And as, and everything we've said about everyone missing games, uh, I will say Anthony Edwards has not missed a game this season. He well, he was. It looked like he wasn't going to play the other night. I think it was a right hip, and he played. Uh, last night i believe it was and, and they won impressive uh ava- availability is so key that's something brian scalabrini likes to preach when talking about jason tatum uh because he I, I i i don't i don't need to say it this many times he, he leads the league in minutes over the past like five years <laughs> like decent playoffs gold medal run everything and availability is so key. And like Tatum always being available, he missed one game this year due to personal reasons to attend his child's yeah. birthday party. Um, <laughs> Anthony Edwards always being available, like like stuff like that. It's huge. And like Kevin Durant has up until this recent MCL sprain, uh, he I think he was one of the most durable players in the league. And that is yeah. so key when you have again 
I, I'm not going to go through the laundry list, but everyone missing time. Yeah, well, it's just interesting where like sports in general are going with like kind of the TB12 method. And I remember Anthony Anthony Edwards in the beginning of the season had that interview where he's saying, yeah, I'm going to have less fast food this season. Like that's my goal. And, you know, it's kind of a silly thing to say, but it's all those little things. And now he hasn't missed a game. I'm not saying it's because he doesn't eat fast food. It's just because they're putting more attention into their bodies because they see the longevity of players like LeBron, players like Tom Brady, even though it's in a different sport. And I mean, they've got the talent. It's just about staying in the league. That's that's the the tough part of keeping keeping your skills up to par with everyone else. You can play forever, but you may not be as good as you once once were. Look at Udonis Haslam. Uh, but being able to s- sustain for so long at peak performance, yeah. such as Tom Brady just broke his record, his own record that he set last year for most completions in a season. And he's what, like, 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 sixty-two or something? How old is he? Uh, something like that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Don't look it up. Uh, <laughs> it, it's wild, and um, I, I think this current group of stars has a good chance to, their at least either their game will translate or the way they take care of their bodies to play for a long time. Giannis, I think, well, depending on how battered and bruised he gets. Uh, Luca, he already looks like he plays like the old man game at the Y. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Jason Tatum, sure, uh, he certainly could. I and mean, Steph is old, and he's he's still kicking. Steph is not much younger than LeBron because he played all those years at Davidson, whereas yeah. LeBron came right out of high school. KD is in the MVP conversation. Like, slept on in the MVP. season. Let's get to Brooklyn right now because you said it. Brooklyn nine and one over the last ten, like we said, twenty and seven against East opponents. They're the only team in the league with 20 wins within their conference. And they're the number two team in the league. Uh, A lot of this has come since Steve Nash was outed, and it's been the Jacques Vaughn show in Brooklyn. Why why, why do you think this has all come together? I mean, uh, Kyrie Irving was uh, vilified, and it seemed like this team was falling apart, but they are, they, they picked the pieces up and they are, they're humming again. How, how did this happen? Honestly, I think maybe it's just the second the spotlight came off of them, you know, Kyrie was suspended. He came back and then everything seemed to be quiet about the Nets. You know, Ben Simmons was like playing some minutes and it just gave them some time to come together as a team. I think, I think it's that culture and they have like some fun players like Utah Watanabe who, He's got a crazy three-point percentage. He's not in like the, the league leading because he doesn't have enough uh, makes yet, but I think he's shooting like above 50%. Um, maybe that's not right. Maybe that was like corner threes. That seems like a very high number. It's, uh, yeah, whatever three-point stat, he's very high. He's a sniper. Yeah, yeah and they just, they're putting together these team wins with uh, Mr. Claxton. Like, he Usually really improved sh- player. Oh, yeah. He still can't hit free throws, but his defense is insane. You see, he airballed a free throw the other night. It was looking like Mason Plumley out there. He is. I. I. I he might be the lowest uh, shooting free throw, like like the worst free throw shooting player ever at the moment. Uh, it depends wow. on how many you've shot, right? The like the qualifiers yeah. and all that. But I, I think he is like him along with like Andre Drummond, Mason Plumley, Shaq, like some of the worst free throw shooters ever. Yeah. It, but Claxton's gotten a lot better. They they got TJ Warren back. Seth Curry and Joe Harris are finally getting healthier. Um, obviously, Irving, um, everything surrounded with him 
Simmons is getting more comfortable with the team and yeah. just playing basketball again. I, there was just so many question marks, and I don't think it was necessarily wrong to write Brooklyn off because it's one thing if a team has one loose end. If 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 a team had what happened with the whole Kyrie incident, that alone would be huge. And they had basically they it was had, just everything they had so was many things of similar scale. And yeah. yeah, it was so easy to to write them off, but they're very resilient. This is probably the the best Brooklyn team Kevin Durant has had surrounded him since he's been in Brooklyn. Yeah, uh, they, they they've just answered so many of their questions and and silenced their doubters. You know, they wrote people wrote them off and they they didn't write back. Um, yeah, Gino Smith them. Gino Smith. He he's they've been he, yes they've been Gino Smithing them and they they are a scary team. I was looking forward to I believe Thursday. Boston Celtics visit Brooklyn, but Oof. no Kevin Durant. So uh, second night of back-to-back though for Boston. So can still crazy stuff. Game. I mean, yeah, there's Kyrie. I think one thing that Kyrie does so well is he loves to be the number two option on a team. Like that's that's what he is, Mister Number Two, and he's really good at it. He's so good at it, and I, I wonder like how many other players in the league if they just. I don't know if he in his mind like accepts it. He knows he's number two. I mean, I guess you're playing with Kevin Durant. Like, it's maybe that's pretty easy to accept. But he did that with LeBron as well. Like, he's just so good as a number two. He doesn't have to be the number one. But do you think he has that mindset? I mean, this is all just speculation. That, um, and I think a lot of probably professional athletes have this mindset of I'm the best player, and and that's that's the mindset they have. I'm the best player on this team. I'm the best player X Y Z. And I, I, I don't know if they fully believe it, but it's that mindset they have. I mean, these words are going to sound crazy out of my mouth, coming out of my mouth, but I think he's more rational than that. I think Kyrie Irving <laughs> is rational. Uh, I, I take it back already. But, you know, he's definitely the best at some things on his team. He's the best dribbler on his team. He's got the best handles in the league, maybe. Like, maybe he's just... Best handles ever, probably. Yeah, maybe he's he's okay just taking that. Because... I I forget if it was him that I listened to talk about something like that, but I mean, you you got to take some. You're playing with Kevin Durant. You got to be lying to yourself if you're saying you're the best player on your team. You would think, you would think, but again, this isn't. Um, it's Kyrie Irving we're talking about here. That is true. <laughs> uh, so in terms of the East, very top heavy. We we talked about Boston and Brooklyn. Only three and a half games separate the top five seeds: Boston, Brooklyn, oh. Mil- Milwaukee, Cleveland, Philly. Well, um, and and pending Miami, the Miami Heat uh, surging uh, again. These are those teams you would expect to be in the top in the talk for the top of the East. Um, again, pending whatever you thought about Brooklyn. Uh, in terms of Miami, a team that made it to the Game Seven of the Eastern Conference Finals last year, and were a at, and had home court for it at FTX <laughs> Arena, <laughs> um, and were Jimmy Butler three away from maybe meeting the the Warriors for their second finals appearance in three years. Um, at 21 and 20, what, what is what is the future of this, of this team? A lot of it, I think, depends on how they view Tyler Harrow. Hero, Harrow, I will never get it right. Tyler. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Tyler from South Beach and Jimmy Butler. A lot depends, again, how they view the... Uh, Tyler signed, I'm going to say Tyler, I don't want to mess it up. Tyler <laughs> signed a big extension in the summer, uh, but is he capable of being a top two player 
on a playoff team, and then how much patience should Jimmy have in South Beach? Because he's he's not getting any younger. We all know Miami likes to make a splash, get a big move, get big star players in Miami, like how they got Jimmy. Yeah. But would Tyler be on the team if if teams viewed him highly enough in a package for Donovan Mitchell in a package for uh, Kevin Durant or whatever star player was maybe available last summer? Is it because the Heat love him, or is it because no one else likes him? I think it's just because he has that horrible reputation of being soft on defense. Because he's like Jordan Poole. Like it's similar, like kind of similar to Jordan Poole, except without the playmaking, or without as much of the playmaking. I should say. I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'm not. I'm not the Tyler expert, so I don't want to go out on a limb here. But it is an interesting Heat team, and it's so weird because they could. Be, they could truly beat any team or lose to any team. Like on uh, at the end of last year, you know they lost to the Spurs and the Bulls. Then they beat the uh, uh, who was it that they beat? They beat the Suns. Barely lost to the Nets uh, last night. Like I, I don't know. They just they could beat or lose to any team. So you never know with Miami. They could they could truly pull out a miracle. And Spolstra, we we've talked about how great of a a coach she is and he's playing these guys a lot he's playing seven eight man rotations yeah this miami heat team is i, I know we always talk about how they pull guys out of nowhere the gabe vincents the duncan robinsons the max Struces. yeah they're not as deep as they once were and this is why they're vulnerable at 21 and 20 they have a lot of future picks but what direction are they going to go is that going to lead to any shakeups this year what is kind of going under the radar for them, honestly, is Bam Adebayo. I think he got a lot of a lot of flack in the playoffs for not scoring the ball, and yeah. I, he's increased his scoring. He he has answered those questions. Yeah, and with but a, like, what is their solution though? Like, if you're the Miami Heat, like 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 we talked about, so many teams are in the conversation. I mean, who's the best player you can trade for right now? Like Bogdanovich, does that solve your problems? Well, if they're going splash for a star, I think. People have brought up Zach Levine with them. Oh, that's right. I don't know if he answers their their questions because it's not like Zach Levine can play that much more defense than Tyler Harrow. Yeah. And some of their issues has been Jimmy Butler missing a lot of regular season games. So does Zach Levine. <laughs> he <laughs> he misses a lot. So I, I, there might be a long term plan here in Miami, uh, where if you look at the cap sheet, you see in two years they have you know max cap space, and they end up signing Giannis or something. I don't know. Yeah, well, maybe they should just keep on doing what they're doing, like five and five in their last ten games, like aim to stay afloat uh, while uh, the East kind of separates out um, with like the bottom and the top, because it's not, it's definitely not as close as the West, like we talked about, but it's still like I don't know within. A decent amount of games, you know. You let the bottom bottom out. You still find yourself in right now. They're in the the top playing seed, or no, they're the eighth seed. So they're in the plan, mm-hmm. and you just you coast. You're too close to being the. You're three games behind the fifth seed, but only three games ahead of like the tenth seed. So I, I think if they they should just wait it out, <laughs> see where they find themselves by the trade deadline, and then do something based off that. Uh, uh, the Heat should be able to be okay. They are again remarkably average because they are eleven and nine at home, ten and eleven on the road. They are a minus point three point differential. 
Um, <laughs> but they are five and one in their division because of how bad that division is with Charlotte, Washington, and Orlando, and Atlanta. Atlanta. And Atlanta, yeah. yeah. Uh, so Miami Heat could easily make playoffs, and they could be a real pesky team you don't want to face. But it's just not the not the Miami team we're used to seeing. Again, they were the one seed last year. Let's not forget. Yeah. That's that kind of hard true. to hard to fathom right now. Yeah, it's a different team that hasn't changed. <laughs> Who else are you uh, looking at in the East in terms of maybe above expectations, below, or maybe well, questions? I'm looking about. at the Bucks. Like I've got some questions about them because I mean I know it's a, it's a one performance and it's something Giannis talked about. They let the Charlotte Hornets score 51 points in one quarter against them. The Hornets always with... have their number. Yeah, I guess I guess maybe that's just it. It's just they don't match up well against them. But uh, it's just, it makes you not believe in them. <laughs> yeah, the Bucks have, they are, they are, they're, they're, they're weird. Um, they are four and six over their last 10. Yeah. They're the only team in the top nine that aren't like 500 or above 500 in their last 10. Yep, yeah. Uh the Knicks and the Heat at seven and eight in the East are five and five over the last ten. To find you have to go all the way down to Atlanta at ten to get another team to East that's four and six over the last ten. Yeah. The Bucks Middleton is he's still not right, and I think he, he solves a lot of issues for them. He's an underrated playmaker. We know what he is as a as a shot creator. Yeah. He takes a lot of the load off of Giannis. Um, and his, for instance, they have Joe Ingles there nursing to health right now. Uh, they're one of the oldest rosters in the league. Middleton is up after this year, so is Brooke Lopez. Or maybe maybe Middleton might not be up, but I think he has a player option that he would probably decline. Um, a, lot of, a lot of questions. How much money will Middleton end up costing? Does Middleton see a long-term, a long-term play in Milwaukee? in order to succeed or will some team with a lot of money just throw him the bag? I don't know who that could be like Orlando, Indiana, something like that could just throw the bag at him. Yeah. Well, speaking of Indiana, they're also on the up and up as well. Like Tyrese Halliburton is putting together a show and they seem to have some, like it's weird. I was watching the, the Charlotte Indiana game last night. No one goes to their games. Like that's that's something the commentators it was, it was the local broadcast they kept on talking about like the crowd in the game and getting more people in there and trying to give them something to cheer for and I feel like when you watch any other like local like uh, commentators like I don't know they're not talking about empty seats but when you're a six seed and I don't know there's empty seats it, it's weird because Tyrese Halliburton is a impressive player to watch especially in person. Especially, especially in person. I I don't want to. I I swear, if you've like consumed any of my content over the past like three weeks, you would think I, I I'm related to the man. Um, <laughs> but Tyrese Halliburton, so proud of him. He he's all grown up. Um, I, I don't know. I, I I've been on the Tyrese thing since the draft. During in the draft, he went way lower than people thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was one of those things where, like him and him, him and his agent, kind of saw the Kings and Sacramento being just like the best fit and right fit. And there's some weird like navigating that goes through there. Some like weird inner draft workings that you don't really hear about or like 
Interesting. Or, or maybe you don't just expect. Like I think you expect to just pick. You think he wanted want. to be the the face of a franchise? He said it many times. He said it. He wanted to help Sacramento get to where they are right now. Ironically, um, and, and we're not. We're not. I'm not talking about this trade anymore. The the damn Halliburton trade. It was a good trade for both sides. I, I would lean towards Halliburton because he's young and cost controlled and tall point guards. I, we all know how I feel about those. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, with, with Indiana, they have a very young core, good core. Him, that Halliburton, Matherin backcourt, very intriguing. They have a lot of mm-hmm. other, whatever like they want to do with Nemhard, the rookie. Yeah. Nemhard, Duarte, uh, Jalen Smith. Uh, 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 Miles ooh. Turner's playing exceptionally well. Reset. Yep. Yeah, they, they, have a, they have a ton of guys, a lot, a lot of real NBA players. Carlisle, you know, he, he wants to win. They are 15 mm-hmm. and 7. At home, only uh, well, four teams in the East have better home record than that. That would be the Sixers, Cavs, Bucks, and Celtics. Uh, yeah. They are, but they are uh, n- not that. This is exactly how, um, I, like a great viewer of how great a team is. They are a, a complete net neutral in terms of point differential. That uh, is so weird. They're at a, a complete zero, yet they're <laughs> uh, five games above five hundred. So. They, they could expect some regression. Maybe Matherin hits a rookie wall. But uh, Halliburton really just raised the, the floor of this team. Um, I, I said it. I think the Pacers are a team that never really should rebuild. They are always retooling. And yeah. more fans should show up. Indiana, step up. I, you like to call yourselves like the basketball state or, uh, you know, like the, the, the heartland of basketball. I don't know, something like that. They, they have a lot of pride there. But yeah. they're... Show up, Pacers. Is it because IU is relevant? I, I think, I, I think, they're I think it's because of like Hoosiers, you know, that sort of like. Yeah, they're, they're the kind of person who's like, like, I don't watch the NBA. They score too many points. There's not enough defense. Well, you know why there's not enough defense? is because they're good. They're so talented. They're scoring at will. Yeah, let's let's get to that. You, you, had, you had a point you wanted to raise about, about the recent scoring explosion, Duncan. Yeah, well, just it's it's been crazy as a lot of people have seen. Like throughout all of last season, there were ninety nine forty plus point performances. We're right at the halfway mark of the season, and we're already at eighty two. We're on pace to have sixty five more than last season, and it's just like the pace in the NBA is just just in, insane. You know, uh, between more three pointers uh, in the last ten years, it's gone from seven point two made threes to twelve point two made three made threes. Five increase. That's fifteen points just in threes alone. Uh, per game but like what do you think is causing these individual stars to just go off like this because it's not just the team performances that are going up it's the individual like a 35 point game we're kind of like oh cool been there done that even a 45 point game can be lost like Embiid's he had a 44 point game when when Luca scored his 60 20 10 and Don had a 71 and no one no one cared (laughs) no no one the the dawn got sort of uh swept under the rug it was the same night as the demar hamlin um uh incident so yeah, that's true it that's got time it got totally swept under the rug um not 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 like not saying like it should have gotten um, <laughs> demar hamlin discharged from the hospital so uh yeah good news up to him uh continue so we can talk about don now <laughs> but yes don he uh yeah, it's super weird. Uh, Fred Van Fleet, he was on Jake J. Reddick. Again, this is the Jake J. Reddick recap pod. Thank you, everyone, for <laughs> listening. But they asked Fred 
as someone who is in the league and has to guard against performances like that, like, why is this happening? He said in the past, you know, d depending on the way you uh, uh, guard every night, you're like, all right, well, we're going to try to take away sort of like the, the, the Belichickian sort of way of playing defense. Like, am I just going to try to, like, double team and take away Julio Jones and let everyone else eat? Or am I going to... Mm -hmm just let Julio eat and take away everyone else. Um, and But with how much talent there is in the league now, all right, let's just say I, I'm just because they're the best team in the league, totally only reason I'm going to use them as an example here, the Boston Celtics. Let's say you're going up against them. Let's say Jason Tatum is one of the front runners for, for the MVP. Uh, so we're going to try to take him away. Mm -hmm. Well, what about Jalen Brown? And, yeah. and so many teams have so many options now and the amount of nuance um, that there is in terms of the offense and the amount of offensive talent and, mm -hmm. and even the rookies. Uh, we've seen the last couple of years, all these rookies coming in, their floor is so much higher. I mean, Paolo is probably should be an all-star this year. He, he would be yeah, the first he a shot at it. He'd be the first all-star as a rookie since Blake Griffin. Wow. Um, it just well, that's the other thing that makes it even crazy. more interesting with Lucas performances is with him, like, it, it doesn't make sense to let him eat and guard everyone else because like he's the only one like he he is the game the game run through him runs through him for Dallas so you'd really think that like at some point a team would just double him and let everyone else eat cuz like yeah Spencer Dinwiddie could like score 40 but he's mo most likely going to go for like like 3 for 11 and put up like 12 points at the end like like i don't know it's maybe that makes Luka's performance more impressive than Don's performance. But also I think if Don had those two more rebounds, because he had eight rebounds. If he uh, had ten rebounds and everyone was talking about it as a seventy one point triple double, like we wouldn't even be questioning this. But like I don't know, rebounds, like what are rebounds? <laughs> do not even matter? I put on our Instagram story at seven seconds tomorrow on Instagram, link in the bio, uh and then link it in the description of this in every episode. Uh I made a little video about Luca and Don. Their, their great performances, and I put a poll, which was more impressive. At first, it went all Don, and then Luca. Every vote was for Luca. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think I, my theory, a uh, couple couple theories here, they had a crazy comeback, real improbable, and Luca had to like do it all himself. Not that Don clearly didn't. He created 99 points, second most points created in a game ever. Yeah. But also, Don has way more talent around him so I, I think it looks less impressive. But one thing I saw firsthand in terms of Luka and Jokic is Celtics just finished the road trip. They played the Nuggets and the Mavericks. They employed somewhat similar strategies to them. They did a lot of late blitzing. But mm -hmm. what's so impossible with what we were just talking about, like doubling and trying to take away a team's best player, Luka, as a like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six point guard, he can still see above everyone and unreal passer and Jokic even more so as a seven foot center double team him. He can throw, you know, the, the wizard passes over him. Just look up like Nikola Jokic passing highlights on YouTube and have a field day, grab some popcorn, the angles and the vision. And, and he can also just shoot above anyone because he's seven feet. It's so hard to take it away. I truly don't know what to do. This is why people are head coaches and get paid lots of money. Yeah, how, that's how you, true. I guess doubling there? doesn't take it away. I didn't didn't really think about it like that. But also, like to kind of bring it back to which one was more impressive. I had one more thing I want to say about it. 
is uh, I think we tend to think Lucas is more impressive because there's that crazy endgame highlight where, you know, he purposely missed the free throw to send it to overtime with that in-the-air rebound, whatever. That was insane. But it was also against the worst, well, one of the worst teams in the league, against the Spurs at home in Dallas. Like, no, it was against the Knicks. It was against the Knicks? Mm -hmm. I thought it was against the Spurs. I watched those highlights like 10 times making that video, so I'm like 99% sure. Oh, well, you know, I, I we'll cut that. We'll cut that. <laughs> We're not going to cut it, but I, I appreciate the thought. No, never mind. I guess it, it was against similar teams, so maybe that doesn't even bring into question because Don's game was against the Bulls, and so that was against the Knicks? Pretty, yeah, relatively similar teams. Again, uh, they, they are 7-9, uh, and nine, uh, separated by three games in the Eastern Conference rankings, so sure, similar. Well, I take that back. Um, we're talking about doubling players. <laughs> doubling, yeah, doubling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I guess it, it'll be interesting to see if there is like a, a regression and if it starts to go the other way because it feels like we, I mean, we're talking about Tyler. I won't say his last name. You know who? Tyler. And we talk about how bad his defense is. But does defense even matter if these players are going to put up these points no matter what you can do? Or at some point, uh, some star on Twitter, I want to say, was it KG? Did you see that? Kevin Garnett mm. said, like, uh, who's going to be the next defensive, like, monster? Who's going to be the next, like, defensive weapon versus all these stars being offensive weapons in today's NBA? Well, I mean, if you look at a couple right now, I think Robert Williams and Jaron Jackson Jr., are two of the ones that come to mind. Two guys, okay. two bigs you can throw on guards. Uh, even even Nicholas Claxton, to a degree. Two two. Uh, some bigs you can throw on guards they can close out quick and get blocks and uh, Robert Williams can even run the floor and dribble a little bit in transition I, yeah. I think that's the key um that's mm -hmm. why I think Evan Mobley I think he's the one a lot of people compare him to Kevin Garnett because of his length his versatility and just sort of everything he contrib con contributes contributes to winning um yeah <laughs> as, as that sort of langley uh power forward so I think that's that's the archetype you're gonna see. That's why, like Wembyana, Wembanyama is also so intriguing. Uh, in a way, uh, Chet, that just the the length, the length and ability to put the ball on the floor, and and to be able to guard guards, guard one to five as a big. Yeah, that's becoming more and more talked about. It was those two way players. But I'd be interested, maybe in like an independent thought exercise, try to name as many defenders as you can in the NBA, guys that are known for defending. And then compare it to a list of guys I've known for scoring. Like, not I wonder close. what... It's not even close, right? So, of no. course, the, the scores are going to go up. And then I'm not familiar enough with, like, a game in the 90s to make that same list. But I wonder if, it, if it's closer than, than today's total would be. And there's been a lot of... Um, as players improve and, had, and as, as they improve as the league has been changing, they have almost pivoted from defensive first players to offensive first players. I think that's what happened with Paul George, um, yeah. in a way with Jimmy Butler, certainly with Jalen Brown. Uh, those the two way wings, uh, they they turn from defensive first to offensive first. So uh, one one to keep an eye on then I think is Mikael Bridges, who still very young, uh, one of mm -hmm. the best defense players in basketball. Talk about availability has never missed a game going back I think to high school. Yeah, uh, never missed a game. Um, but with Devin Booker being out, Chris Paul misses games all the time more of a scoring burden on McCall's shoulders. Uh, maybe he could make that, make that pivot. 
Yeah, that'd be interesting. Any last thoughts in the East? We are nearing the, uh, somewhat nearing the hour mark here, so don't want to belabor it too much. Any other East thoughts uh, on the brain? Um, I don't know. I guess some one team we haven't talked about too much is Atlanta. Uh, but I feel like DeJounte Murray has fit in so well on that team, yet it hasn't really had huge results. What do you think? They are just so dramatic. Uh, drama and turmoil city. Uh, that everything that's gone on with Trey Young. See, yeah, the, the Trey Young rumors are are afloat at the moment. Oh wow! And maybe I was not aware. It. Yeah, people have, have conceptualized the idea of like a like a challenge trade. Basically, uh, you trade some stars that are sort of, uh, maybe uh, not favored at the moment in a way that they would improve in new situations. So the one people are talking about is if it would be Trey Young for Carl Anthony Towns. Oh, interesting. Yeah, you can see see where that's coming from. But um, yeah, I don't think that would solve Minnesota's problem. But anywho, what were you saying? It, it, Minnesota and Atlanta in somewhat similar situations. Atlanta brings in a guard to pair with another guard, Murray to pair with yeah. Trey Young. Minnesota brings in a big to pair with another big, Towns and Gobert. And maybe they trade the franchise stalwart, Trey and Cat, to for the further build the roster you you sort of self inflicted when you brought in the big trade. Uh but well I think Atlanta is in a better situation than Minnesota. Uh because they have a lot of they have a lot of young players they've like Jalen Johnson, uh, AJ Griffin's been very yeah. very good, and then Tyrese Martin. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, reel it in. They have a lot of John Collins always available. They they have a lot of mid-sized contracts. They could they could do a lot of a lot of um, as much as we talked about how tough it can be to do that star trade mid-year due to the salaries and just the trying to make everything line up. Uh, they're one team that I think could, and I think there's some pressure there with the sort of hot-button topic that is Trey Young and how they expedited everything with bringing in DeJounte Murray. Yeah. They're a team to keep an eye on. I think they want to win. They need to win at some point relatively soon. Yeah. Trey Young, he it's been awfully quiet about him this season. I don't know if it's just in the media that I follow. What do you think his numbers are a little, little trivia right here i was points rebounds assists so other than the points rebounds assists, look at his three-point percentage just, just scroll to the right whatever website you're on t- t- tell me what that number is 31.4 yeah uh, he, he also i i don't know if this is 100 true maybe this is more of an eye test thing i think his attempts are down trey young known as three-point shooter not shooting as many threes yeah. So um, yeah, I'll be able to tell you a sec. <laughs> but, but okay, while you do that, I will think points, rebounds, assists. I'm gonna go like I, I'm. I'm gonna go a little lower, like 23 points a game, 4.6. Let's call it five rebounds, and we'll call it seven assists. 23, five, and seven. So 27 and a half points. Well, okay. Three rebounds, and we place with Clint Capella, and. Point two away from ten assists per game, still with a fifty-five point nine true shooting. Right, he's and a, he's yeah, he's a stud. <laughs> and he's down one three-point attempt. He's attempting seven threes instead of eight threes a game. Maybe this is a fit thing. Maybe we need to watch more Atlanta Hawks basketball and see everything that's going wrong. Right, like those are crazy numbers, but uh, it's been awfully quiet about him. So, you know, if that's what the dude is averaging, 
Like, I, I'm not ready to, to write him out just yet. I think the eye test thing has been weird with Atlanta. Everything I've heard, it's funny. I'm talking about people who have watched because I haven't watched enough Atlanta. Um, <laughs> it's just like the, the fit is still weird. There's a little bit of a, the, what always used to happen with Tatum and Brown thing. The, like, I don't think Trey and DeJounte are necessarily like complimenting each other. They're not, they're not pushing that envelope. The, the staggering helps. So you always have an elite point guard in the game. Yeah. But they're not elevating when they're together. And without that happening, their ceiling is only so high. Yeah. No, it's interesting. Well, let's let's play another game. Oh, boy. DeJounte Murray. Okay. So points. Okay. So first, tell me what his line was last year. His line last year. Hold on. Let me get the full stats. His line last year was... Why don't they put the points in the... It's at the end. 21 points per game, 9 assists, and 8 rebounds. 33% from 3. Okay, this year, 21, 8, and 9. Um, I'm going to go 19. Actually, no, I'll stay at 21 points. We're going to go down to 7 rebounds. We're going to go down to 7 assists. And I think the 3-point shooting is higher. Yeah, you're pretty close. Um, down to twenty point four. Okay. Down to six assists, five and a half rebounds, and up a couple of points in his three point percentage, and still at around two steals per game. So pretty like you're still getting Dejounte. Like his numbers are going to go down a little bit because he's playing with Trey Young. Honestly, I think it's impressive that his numbers are still he's still averaging twenty plus points a game on fifty two percent true shooting, which is pretty decent. It's just the Oh, I don't know if you, you can all hear my angry dog right now. Um, <laughs> it just, DeAndre Hunter hasn't, he still hasn't taken that leap. I mean, he was, what, the number four pick a couple of years ago? Yeah. Um, John Collins, is he, how long is he going to be on this team? It's just every year. It's just how long is Collins going to be there? Um, Capella, we all know what Capella is. A Kung Wu, I think people like better. He's played well, but is he going to be a long-term starting center? Or is he going to be this sort of backup hybrid role? Yeah, I just don't know. And then a lot of this could depend on if the coach stays there, Nate McMillan. He has been, I don't know if he's he, he's kind of fed up with Trey Young or just just the whole, everything that's going on with the organization. The, the long-term outlook on Atlanta is murky to say the least. Um, so again, circle them. I think they could go, they could uh, go or blow. They could either go all in or blow it up for all I know. Probably not blow it up because they got DeJounte, but they could they could definitely make a big move, so keep an eye out for them. I could see them consolidating a couple of pieces to upgrade because they have some decent depth. Well, not crazy depth, but decent depth. And maybe they maybe they trade two decent pieces for one good piece. I think that probably makes the most sense because, yeah, they have those mid-range, con- mid-range contracts with Hunter and Bogdanovich and Collins, kind of. Um, although they got off Kevin Herter because they didn't want to pay the luxury tax. <laughs> those silly billies in Atlanta. Uh, so let's wrap it up. We're over the hour mark here. Uh, let's not belabor the point anymore. So uh, we will read last week's uh, Q&A again. If you listen to us on Spotify, click the episode description. Uh, there should be a Q&A and poll there for every episode. We will read last week's Q&A. 
Uh, last week, of course, was our best of 2022 episode, best moments of the year. So I asked the people, what was your favorite SSM, SS, geez, SSOM moment of the year? Uh, from our own co-host, Daniel Park, who is, uh, this moment was featured in our recap, if you want to listen to it, the Latvian laser. It's a good one. It, it's an iconic moment. Um, I, I won't spoil it for all of you if you haven't heard it. And then uh, our own uh, friend of the show, uh, Sandy, shout out to Sandy. She said, uh, the Minnesota Lynx discussion. I think that was when we were ripping the WNBA for having no money. And they released all their rookies, I believe. That was what that was centered around. Yeah. Oh, gosh. That still bothers me to this day. It just doesn't make sense. Like, what's the point of having a rookie draft if you're just going to release everyone? And you released the previous year's rookie of the year. Like, (laughs) what are you doing? It's like sometimes if you play like franchise mode in Madden, super weird analogy. Uh, you'll you'll just be like you'll let the computer fit, like fix the roster of the off season because uh, just because like you don't feel like it, and then they'll release like your best player because he's making a lot of money. It's like, but okay, what's the goal here? What are we trying to do? And that is maybe there's something about the WNBA model I still need to know. But what is what is the goal if? Is, is the rookie of the year not good enough? Is it like those auto drafts you get deep in the NBA 2K Sims where no no rookies are played, so some scrub wins rookie of the year? I think, honestly, I think that's pretty close to it. On the uh, the all-rookie team, they didn't have five rookies playing in the WNBA. There was a player on the all-rookie team who was averaging less than a point a game or something like that, or less than a rebound a game um, because she'd only, like, gotten real stats in a couple of games and so it's just like it's it's crazy stuff there and they they really need to revisit that model because i mean i don't know they make billions off of the nba i'm sure it's it's weird because if they wanted to they could make money off the WNBA too like by promoting it you'd make more money like i don't Mm -hmm. understand how that's that hard it's like a financial decision and these are financial people it's just some like innate sexism that like or innate like distaste of the game or they think that nobody wants to watch it that makes it so that nobody can watch it in terms of uh what you just said about nobody wants to watch it i believe you had a subscription to wnba league pass correct last year is there anything and i think you've used nba league pass a little bit this year yeah is there anything that you're noticing about how they're maybe presenting or marketing their product that maybe doesn't live up to the nba standards or just kind of puzzling to you yeah i mean like the first some of the first things that you hear in a game is the commentators and like I, I was watching the pacers game last night that had the local commentators and the one guy i don't i don't know his name he just didn't know what he was talking about you know he was just saying things to say things and like it's not even being biased it's seeing like a foul that happened the uh, i forget what player got hit right in the elbow as they were shooting and he's like Oh, that's all clean. That's all ball. And you know, that happens like three times a game. It's frustrating to watch. And that was like every WNBA game. It's just the commentators were not like at a fantastic mm-hmm. level. And how, is, how are you going to enjoy a game when the people talking over it make you want to turn it off? You know? I, I think it takes a lot of the, uh, like, you can't take the product seriously. It takes a lot of legitimacy out of it. If, if you yeah. notice those, it, it's, it's just, it's the small details like that. Um, yeah. And the, the the refereeing as well was, I, I found to be 
pretty bad um comparable to like some college games you know where you never know what you're gonna get like if people listening watched the yukon game the other night um it's just just confusing like sometimes you're just like what is going on here i'd say it was even worse in the wnba and it's also weird that like some of those refs could be getting played paid more than like half the players when we're there to watch the players not the refs um there's a there's a crazy espn 30 for 30 about uh sue bird and diana tarasi and them playing in russia and their first uh wnba contract which they talk about in that was like 35k a year the janitor of the arena was making more than them you know like how is that like there's something wrong with the like where's the money going (laughs) it's just crazy i think this could be one of those things where it's like like you need to try to i don't know like figure out what the product is because probably what happens again not i'm not fully versed on this speculation just me trying to theorize what's going on that the wnba refs are like the nba refs who maybe are worse and get paid less and so they want more work over the summer and yeah. so in a way you're getting like the b grade um yeah. where um whereas Again, I also don't know. I'm I'm doing an analogy where I don't know if the other half's true either. Uh, if softball refs, I don't know if they are just like their own lane or are they baseball refs that, but l- let's just say they're their own thing. Mm-hmm. It is like its own sport and there is a, like a skill set. It's a different game, softball than baseball. I think maybe, I mean, cert- certainly there are rules, real differences between um the WNBA and the NBA, but I think maybe they just need to be more their own product, and and they've they've tried to diversify from the NBA, from because yeah. I believe they were once fully owned by the NBA. I think they maybe own a stake at the moment. Weird stuff. I I just think they need like needs to be a, a different game, <laughs> in a way. Yeah, if, no, if any I of that makes right. sense, because it's almost like marketed like like the G League. Like I feel like it's it's a similar like idea i think the g league probably even gets more coverage sometimes um than the wnba and i mean i think both should get coverage but like the g league its purpose is to develop players it's not to get media coverage Mm -hmm. um the wnba is being treated similarly when their their purpose should be to get media coverage and like i don't know i feel like i don't know if we've talked about it before on the show but obviously women's basketball is popular the march madness women's tournament got more views than like than like mls spans like i saw a stat i can't recite it but over the same period of time the same amount of games or something like that the the women's college uh, women's march madness was like through the roof compared to it you know so people want to watch it you just got to give them the means and a reason to and you know they, they are trying league pass was like 25 bucks for the entire year for the wnba mm-hmm. so i bought that right away that was was practical was able to watch the teams I wanted to watch. <laughs> They're putting more games on national TV. It's yeah. just, it, again, I think it's like the small details. Just, I don't know. I love, I love any any input anyone has. So shoot it our way. Um, you know, yeah, uh, when we buy our team, <laughs> when, when we own a WNBA team. Yeah, I mean, it, it would be more affordable. And then think about it's like when Mark Cuban bought the Mavs for like three hundred million, and now they're worth probably 2 billion or something like that. Like this is the kind of market more right. than that. Uh, like, yeah, I mean the Suns just sold for what? Like freaking 3 4 billion. But true. And so Dallas, like 3 4 billion. Yeah. 
Hey, well, so this we is just, a league to get in before Tot. We just need to go uh, get one of those combo deals. Like the like the person who bought the Suns got the Suns and the Mercury. Uh, a Rod, mm. we got the Timberwolves. You got the Timberwolves and the Lynx. We just need we just need the Wombo combo. Yeah. So keep an eye out for that when we own uh, multiple basketball franchises. That is how <laughs> that's how we we ended this show. Um, this is a small aside uh, at the end of the show here. Uh, name of this episode is uh, well, I don't know if it's the name, but it, it's on the graphic, and we said it earlier, uh, status quo. I think this segment we might turn this into a segment. Uh, in a way, I'm kind of stealing uh, from uh, Jake J. Reddick, but uh, he, he has a weekly newsletter where he releases a stat of the week. So I think status quo we could use as a way to a stat or two that you know we jump, we stumble upon on Twitter, Reddit, wherever it is, stands out. Kind of talk talk about it. And we won't use the same one as JJ. <laughs> oh, certainly not. We will not borrow his stat. Uh, yeah, so keep an eye out for, for status quo moving forward. But uh, that's all we got. Episode 32, over an hour here. Very long episode. We're bringing the new year. Uh, any last thoughts, Duncan? Oh, yeah, just thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, hopefully, uh, if your NFL team has made the playoffs, and you can cheer them on. Good luck to them. I'm glad Aaron Rodgers got kicked out. Um, but that is all I have to say. Yeah, we don't even have any conflicts because Browns aren't in the playoffs either. So, yeah. Yeah, so uh, go Bengals, go Joe Burrow. Uh, (laughs) And we will see you all next time.